I'm Michelle. My name is Brian. We're the Bushways. We've been coming to Mosaic over 12 years. I found Mosaic, a friend invited me, and the first time I heard Erwin speak, he was just articulating things I'd been thinking about and just put language to thoughts and feelings and understandings. I was like, man, this guy has something special going on. I found Mosaic when I was a sophomore at Pepperdine. Yeah, I remember the first day we met, I was serving on the welcome team and I was just out front and as everyone was coming to church, I was just shaking people's hands, welcoming them in and here comes Michelle and she was bringing a car full of other college women and I was like, wow, this is a woman who is like a leader. She's bringing other people to this great place. I gotta get to know her more. I was pretty quickly attracted to Brian's energy. I don't know, I always felt safe around Brian. Serving at Mosaic has changed us simply because we never would have met. And it was the basis of our relationship. Our relationship was founded because we were serving other people, which then brought us together. So it's been a value ever since day one in our relationship. Just being a part of Mosaic all this time has really pushed us to be really intentional. It's always been not just about us and like our thing, but we've always wanted our relationship to be about like how we can serve other people and just be really intentional. It's important for us to give, to keep that muscle strong of gratitude. Being grateful is a great way of approaching life and having perspective on things. And giving is important because it's a very practical way to exercise that muscle of gratitude. Giving gives you like a stake in it and it gives you ownership. Without that, you're you're just on the bench. I feel like when you're giving, like you're in, you're playing in the game, you're you're taking the risks. It just it's more exciting. We are here to stay because we want to continue to be an influence in this city to spread love and hope. Today we continue our, our conversation together around the human connection. And these these last couple weeks, Pastor Irwin has been guiding us and and diving into this idea that we were created to be in relationship with one another. That, that it is the, the human connection. It, it is the human story of how we relate to one another that maybe one of the hardest things that we'll ever do as a people, but maybe also the most meaningful thing that we'll ever do as a people. And, and what I think is true about us as humans is that we've figured out how to do isolation really well. But it seems like we're still trying to figure out how to do community really well. And, and, and it's far too often, far too many moments in my own life, I have chosen isolation when my soul was craving community. How about you? And, and every single time I choose to disconnect, every single time I choose to, to veer off, to drift, I, I think it's going to be good for me in a moment because maybe I'm not dealing something, but it's always worse for me in the long run. Because community is something that God instilled into the human story that it's not enough for us to relate to him. We have to figure out how to relate to each other. And community is, is a part of our everyday life. We see it in every arena, right? We have community in your family unit, 
You have community in your neighborhood, community in your jobs. We even see it like gyms have understood and realized that, that there's power in community, right? Make some noise if you have a gym membership. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Now, now make some noise if you actually go to the gym. No, don't do that, don't do that. I'm kidding, right? <laughs> right, there, there, there's clubs that have been formed. We, we understand as humans, we long to be a part of a community. We long to be a part of something that's bigger than just ourselves. And, and, and sports is a huge aspect of human community, right? Right now, there's some of you on your phone checking to see if your team is winning. And it's okay, you're acting like you're taking notes, but I know what you're doing, it's fine, right? No judgment. And I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a San Francisco 49ers is my favorite team of anything, right? We got four of us with our brother, appreciate you. And, and I, I'm a huge fan, been a fan since I was four years old, living in Germany, and the only American channel we had, we watched 49er games all growing up. And, so it was amazing when I had this opportunity a couple years ago to go to my very first 49er game in San Francisco. And it was the time of my life, and I was excited. It was the playoffs, and, and, and I got a call that we had tickets, and, and I know my other 49er friend, Jamar Brown King. I said, Jamar, you want to come with me? He said, done, let's do it. So we hopped in the car, road trip, and we went to this 49er game, and it was magical. It, it was spiritual. I just, I saw God like I've never seen God before. <laughs> and 80,000 people just screaming in unison with a common bond. And, and me and Jamar just had the time of our lives, as, as you can tell by this photo here. <laughs> right? It's just like, it looks like we're on a first date, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, not, like, I'm looking at him like, I look smitten. Like, hey, Jamar, you know? Like, like what is that? What is on your head? Right? There's so many things like, what is wrong with this? But okay, take it down. I'm uncomfortable. Take it down. Take it down. Yeah. But it was this incredible moment that we had together, just a part of something, the Niner Nation. So then a couple years later, I, I go again, and this time it's in San Jose, and it's at a new stadium they just built. And I'm excited, and I go to the game, and, and it's incredible, and I'll, another memorable, life-changing spiritual experience. And and everybody's a part of it, and everybody's connected. And then, but then the moment the game ends, the disperse happens. And, and, and I was staying at a nearby hotel, and, and I needed to Uber there. And, and my phone started dying, right? It started at 15%, and then it got down to 10 And, and then I'm calling these Ubers, and they keep canceling on me. And then 10% goes to 5%. And, and all of a sudden, now I'm at like 3%. I'm starting to freak. You know, you know what I mean? That moment when you see the red... And you're like, it's over. Jesus, just take me out now. It's done. <laughs> like, what am I going to do if my phone dies? I feel like it's connected to my soul. And, and, and all these Ubers keep canceling on me. And at this stadium, there's one little spot. It's an Uber station, and all the Ubers have to come in and out of there. It's a terrible like, decision. And hundreds, hundreds of people. And I cannot get a ride. And finally, my phone completely dies. And I'm asking all these people, can I please, can you... Hop in your Uber. Can you take me there? I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm going. My phone's dead. I'm stuck. And everybody's like, no, I don't know you. No. I'm like, what do you mean? We just celebrated 80,000 of us. Like, we're a part of this tri Niner nation. And they're like, mm-hmm, yeah, bye. Like, I feel like it's so crazy that in, in a moment, we could feel like we're a, a part of something. We could feel like we're a part of a tribe, a community. But then when we leave that environment, it's crazy how often we choose isolation rather than community. 
You know, and I wonder for the church, I wonder in the context of communities of faith, what a tragedy if people come into the doors experiencing something, but the moment they leave, they feel as alone as ever before. See, what I want to take a few moments today and have a conversation is, is when it comes to the human connection, there may be no more essential decision, no more essential choice that you make with your life than to say yes to community and watch the fruit that it brings in your life. So there's a passage in Mark that I want us to dive into where we get insight into the beauty of human community. Chapter, Mark chapter 2 verse 1 says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So here we, we enter into this moment in the life of Jesus where, where it's early on as he begins ministering and teaching and healing. And it says he goes to this house and all the people hear that he's come, he's back. And so they flood this house. They flocked to where life could be. And, and it says that Jesus is teaching. He's doing his Jesus thing. And it says that there's not room for one more person. In fact, it's so crowded inside that there's not even room outside the door. And people even standing outside looking in wanting to hear what Jesus is talking about. And right at that moment, it says there's these friends that bring this paralyzed man and they try to find a way into the house they try to find a way to get their friend to Jesus but they can't the crowd's too big it's too massive they can't get through so they make a logical decision and say what we should do next is rip open a hole in the roof and then drop him in front of Jesus I'm just gonna say this I dare you to try that at my house and see how that goes it says they they are consumed with care and compassion for the friend that nothing will stop them. You want to know what community looks like? It looks like when you care more about others than you do about yourself. I mean, if you're going to clap, like clap. That was weak. I mean, either clap or don't. But that's not even for that. But I, but I love this moment because it, it, it teaches us what real community can look like. See, when these four friends go and they bring their paralyzed friend here, they are not coming to Jesus to see what they can get for themselves. See, they're doing whatever it takes to get their friend face-to-face -face with God and then let Jesus do what only he can do. See, what are you doing in your life with the relationships that God has entrusted you with? Are you leveraging them for your own gain or for the gain of others? And these four friends, which actually is more powerful than that because it says a group of men, Bring a paralyzed man to Jesus. And then it says that, that he, he's carried by four of them. So the reason it says that he's carried by four of them is because there was an army of people that said, we're going to do whatever it takes to see our friend find the healing that he needs. So when we come together as the church, when we come together as a tribe, there may be four people grabbing a hold of a corner of a mat, but there's an army of momentum. There's an army of hope. There's an army of love that is following that wave. See, community is essential 
to the human story. It's essential to us becoming who we long for. And, and whenever we choose isolation, we, we miss out on all that God has for us. See, the story is so interesting because it says that there was a crowd that came. There was a crowd that flocked because wherever you find Jesus, you're, you're going to find a magnetism. You're going to find a, a crowd that wants to engage him. But here's the tricky thing we have to make sure, that whenever you're coming to Jesus, you got to make sure that you're not so focused on creating a crowd, but actually creating a community. Because when a crowd comes together, see, a crowd will only come and try to figure out how I can observe. But when a community comes together, you figure out, no, how can we serve? Because when a crowd is dispersed without intention, it's a group of people that go as individuals. But, but when a community comes together, when a community gathers, when, when they scatter with intention, that's actually called the church. So we come to this place and we, we hopefully are injected with hope. We hopefully are injected with faith. We hopefully are injected with love. And then we want to be sent out, not to keep it to ourselves, but to unleash it on everyone that we come in contact with. See, when you, when you say yes to community, when you say yes to, to planning your roots, to, to going deep, to identifying with the people, there's a byproduct of that decision. There's a health, there's a response to it. And, and, the, and the first thing that happens when you say yes to community is that it opens up your world. See, every single time when you choose community, it, it opens up your world. It, it expands your capacity, it, your capacity to, to love, your capacity to be generous, your, your capacity to, to bring hope. See, see whenever you fo are focused on the whole rather than the individual, it opens up your worlds. And the tragedy in this moment with these, this crowd that gathered around Jesus is, is that when, when someone came that actually needed the healing of Jesus, needed the, the move of Jesus, needed Jesus to act on their behalf, the moment when someone of need showed up, they were so focused on what they could get from Jesus, they didn't actually realize it's their job to pave a way to let those get in front of Jesus. So you need to ask yourself, in your relationship with God, in your posture, are you so focused on receiving from him that you don't realize that you're supposed to turn and look for all the people that need to be face-to-face -face with God. See, we have to have a posture shift. We have to understand that, that yes, Jesus loves you, but let me newsflash, it ain't all about you. And, and we want to have an individualistic conversation with God. Like, God, do this in my life. God, move in my life. God, like, free me from this. And he's like, yes, I understand. But what world would be created if I only cared just about you? And I think God is looking for women and men that have the courage to go, God, no, I don't just want you to work in my life. I'm not going to have an individualistic faith. I want to have a communal faith. See, I want to be focused on the outsider. I want to be focused on the one that's not yet in the room. See, that's what I love about Mosaic. We are not making decisions simply for those that are here. Hope you know that. I'm sorry. We love you, but you're already here. See, we love you, but the decisions we're making are not just for you. 
They're for those that we have not yet met that need to be in this room. And the power of the church, the power of community is when we do it together, when we say, it's not about us. And we orient our life around how can we fill this place with people that are searching for hope, searching for life, searching for a place to call home. See, when you say yes to community, it opens up your world. See, I, I am just, I'm not a walker. Just, I just don't understand when people are like, let's go on a walk. It's not me. <laughs> My wife loves walks, and, and I just don't understand. We lived in Hollywood for seven years, and you just don't go on walks in Hollywood. It's called suicide, right? <laughs> You're dead. And so we finally, a year ago, we moved, and we have a front yard and a backyard. We're in this neighborhood, and it's beautiful, but I still really haven't gone on a walk. So I'm like, I just don't do that. And just a couple days ago, she goes, hey, can we go on a walk? And any married people out there, or, or you're in a relationship, or you, you ever had the moment where, where your significant other, like, asked you to do something, and, and before you say yes, you're trying to think of something you could do to not do that one thing that they want to do, you know what I'm saying? She said, you want to go on a walk? I'm like, huh? Jesus, give me something, give me something, give me something, yeah. <laughs> and everything in me wanted to be like, no, like, I'm trying to prepare for this talk, and, and it's important, and, and I need to be focused, and, and all this, I kept hearing Jesus say, how are you going to have something to say on stage if you're first not living it out in your life? So I said, all right, yes, babe, I would love to go on a walk. Let's do it. And we go on this walk, and then our, we have a friend that lives with us, and she has two dogs, and she's in London right now. And, and so we've kind of taken care of the dogs, and she's like, let's take the dogs out. I'm like, I just don't even really like dogs at all, let alone these dogs. And, but then I was like, all right. And so our kids love, so they, they, they're cute. They're walking on a leash, and... And we go like half a block down. I'm just ready to be done. I'm like, babe, you want to go back? You know? She's like, we can see our house. It's right there. Huh? We go one block and then another. I'm just in my, I'm jammed up. I just need to, I need to work on this talk and I'm trying to be present. But then I'm still jammed up and I want to work on it. And so, so finally we, we're walking a little bit. We loop around. And then we get right by our house at this intersection. And this woman that's outside holding a dog. And like, that's the most stressful moment for me because I'm like, look, I don't know you, you might be crazy, and I definitely don't know your dog, your dog might be crazy. I feel like every single dog on the planet, it has a moment where they just go insane. <laughs> and they're just trying to like, attack you and bite you, so I'm like, ah, I got kids, and, and she's like, no, don't worry, like, the dog loves dogs, loves other dogs. She doesn't really like kids, but I was like, I got two right here, why would you say that? <laughs> and the dogs go over and they start sniffing the other dog, and then all, lo and behold, yep, Arr! they start fighting. And then our two-year-old is holding a leash and the dog getting pulled in and he's getting pulled. I'm grabbing his shirt, pulling him back. And I'm like, this is why I don't do walks. And I'm just like, let's just go. We got, I, I got, I'm going up to cook dinner, babe. I'm out. She's like, go ahead. So then I start walking and, and this woman just follows me. Hey, how you doing? What's, what's your name? I'm like, name's Joe. Nice to meet you. Hey, good to see you. Got stuff, things to do. And she keeps talking. Yeah, you know what an annoying thing when... People obviously want to talk, and you're like, I'm just not about it right now, right? And she's like, what do you do? I was like, oh, here we go. God, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You want me to talk to her? I'm not going to tell her I'm a pastor because it's going to open up a whole thing. I was like, I'm a pastor. She's like, oh, really? And she keeps walking with me. She's like, I've been like, wanting to go to church lately. 
I've been wondering, like, where can I go? I don't know anybody. And then I've been telling my boyfriend, like, hey, can we go to church? And he's like, I wouldn't go to church. Why do you want to go to church? I'm like, I really want to go to church. And, and then I run into you on this walk. Like, what are the odds? I know. I'm like, yeah, what are the odds? Yep. <laughs> yep. And we just, we just start talking about life. And I get to hear Rochelle's story. And, and, and I invite Rochelle to church. And we've been texting all back and forth the last two days. And she is so excited. She's coming tonight at the 8 p.m. for the first time. It's beautiful. But, but I wonder how many moments I miss out because I'm so focused on my life. I don't realize that God's like, look what I'm doing all around you. See, and if I didn't have Mosaic as my community, as my tribe, if, if it wasn't the story that I lived my life with, what would I be able to attach and invite people to? See, when you're not connected to something bigger than yourself, all you can invite people to is yourself. Woo, that was like in the moment. He's saying, God wants to do a powerful and a profound thing in and through you. But if it just stops with you, there is no outflow. And that's why we need to be planted. We need to be plugged in. We need to choose to stay. See, it's so easy to leave, but so hard to stay. But, but community is that decision, that choice that I'm, I'm, I'm going to plant. That I'm going to root. See, when the, when the roots go deep... It's so much harder to, to uproot. See, when life comes at you, when, when, when hardships and when difficulties and when conflict, when it comes at you, when your roots are shallow, it's easy to get pulled out. But when your roots go deep, I was reading this thing that, that, that says sequoias, their roots stretch for hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles. And the reason it stretches hundreds of miles is because there's other trees that it has to connect to. See, there are other trees that you are supposed to connect to. There's other people that when your roots go deep, see, human community is formed, and then all of a sudden, you find a kinship. And there's a sharing of information. There's a sharing of hope. There's a sharing of life that happens not at the surface, but happens when you go deep. See, when these friends come together, they were committed that whatever it would take, they were going to get their friends to the hope that was found in Christ. And then verse 5, after they lower their friend in front of Jesus, it says, when, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fella talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, right here, this is such a fascinating moment. That, that right after the, Jesus has a moment with this paralyzed man, the friends drop him down there, and Jesus says he looks at their faith. He said when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, which one, first of all, seems backwards. When he says your sins are forgiven, he should say, like, no, you're healed. Like, why does Jesus shift it? Why does he say, no, your sins are forgiven? Because what he wants them to understand is that what good is it that you can walk if your soul is still dead? And I think so many of us, were, we, we want God to move in our life in, in, through our job or through our career or, or through our relationships. And, and he's like, I could move in that way, but you're still dead. 
And so he, he doesn't have that conversation because he's waiting for us to invite him into this conversation that will inform every other decision that we make. And, but he looks at these men and it says when he saw their faith, he acted on behalf of this man. See, so many times we want to have an individualistic relationship with God. We want to just be, it's just, it's just me and God. It's me and, me and the universe. It's, it's just me and Netflix. And, and we fill in the blanks because we think spirituality is only lived out in isolation. But you don't realize that you are not spiritual if you are not fully in community. Because God speaks. See, the scriptures are God speaking not to a person. It's God speaking to a people. See, God is always having a communal conversation with us. And, and he may have a conversation with you. He's going to have so many conversations with you. But it is not supposed to simply stay with you. See, we're a communal people. And... And when we say yes to community, it opens up your world. But then the second thing it does is it actually elevates your hope. See, I can only imagine how many days this, this man woke up filled with despair going, here's another day when I'm paralyzed. See, it doesn't tell us this, but I, I guarantee you that he had gone to every doctor in the village. I guarantee you he had gone to every religious person. In the, I guarantee he had gone to which doctors he had gone to, any person who could possibly heal. He had tried everything, and yet day after day, he woke up still in the same state that he was. And I think there was probably a moment in his life when he was resigned to the fact, this is who I am. I can't walk. Apparently, even in the, in the scriptures, they just, he's designated as a paralyzed man. And I, and, I, and I got a feeling that that was how everyone saw him. That's that paralyzed guy. That's that dude that can't walk. That's that one that maybe he was born that way or something happened, but that's who he is. But I love that it was a group of people that said, no, we don't see you for your circumstances. We see you for the future that's waiting for you. And they fought for him. And they said, no, you may be paralyzed today, but that is not your identity. See, you may be here and you may be filled with despair in this moment, but that is not your identity. See, you may be here and the only story that you've known is bitterness and envy, and just, but that is not your identity. You are just someone that is healed in transition. See, there is a healing. It's waiting for you. There's, there's a hope that God wants to unleash into your life, and I love that these, these friends decided that they were going to do whatever. They were not going to give up on their friend. They, they would have ripped through a roof. They would have went underground. They would have knocked a door down. They were going to do whatever it took because they believed that there was a hope found in this person of Jesus. And so often, all you first need is a little seed of hope. And that hope may not come from here, and that's why you need a tribe. I'm so thankful that I have people in my life that when I didn't have an ounce of hope, they had it for me. How about you? See, I'm, I'm so thankful that I got people in my life when I chose to be less, they said, nah, not on my watch, I'm gonna call you to more. See, see the gift of community is, 
It's, it's like this. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, you, you, you ever been in like a, a group message with people? And then it just, she's like, yes, right, yeah. <laughs> Where you're like a group message, but then it's like the conversation goes crazy and your, flo- your phone's blowing up and you're like, nah, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. You ever did that like, and you leave the conversation that everybody sees you like, Joe left the conversation. <laughs> and then every time I always feel like whoever, I was like, nah, I feel offended. Like, why you leave, bro? We're just talking, right? And so I have a thing with friends that whenever someone leaves a conversation, I add them right back in. And then they try and leave, like, leave me alone, I add them right back in. And so I'm like, look, I'm going to be here all day. See, community is the group message of life. See, there's so many times when we disconnect, when we leave the conversation and say, nope, I can't handle that person anymore. Nope, I can't handle that situation no more. Nope, that leader said this and I don't like him anymore. And then we leave the conversation. See, community, what we need to decide to do is we always snatch people and say, nah, not on my watch. Come back. We got you. See, whether this is your first time at Mosaic or you've been here since we opened the doors, we will never give up on you. We will always snatch you when you're running away. All we ask is that you stay in your essence. That you drop the anchor so that when you drift, and we all have moments when we drift, you got to have a place that you know isn't going to judge you or condemn you, isn't going to belittle you, It's just going to say, hey, we're the anchor, so no matter how far you drift, you're never going to be too far from home. But you got to first choose to plant, to say yes. Because if you're not going to say yes before it gets hard, you're not going to stick when you're in the middle of that storm. And these friends, far before this moment, decided... That this guy, this friend, is a part of our community. And then in verse 8, it says, Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is just bananas. I literally have a thought. And Jesus is like, I know what you're thinking. Why are you thinking these things? Have you ever been like, I hope Jesus didn't see that? He did. Sorry? No, it's okay. But I love that he, he doesn't engage with us through just our thoughts. He engages with us through our actions. That's his promise to us. But then verse 9, it says, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat. I love this. He walked out in full view of them all. (laughs) And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. See, when you say yes to community, it opens up your life. So when you say yes to community, it, it elevates your hope. And when you say yes to community, your life becomes unexplainable. See, when he is here, they saw him as a paralyzed man. They knew that's who he was. That's how they identified with him. And then when Jesus says, no, that's not who you are anymore. See, there's got to come a moment in your life when, when you realize that you are not who you used to be. That's one of the greatest promises that Jesus gives is that he can make us brand new again. 
And that, and that people were, may recognize who we used to be, but they can't explain who we now have become to be. See, that is the journey of faith. That, see, I'm a walking testament that I am not who I used to be, and it is unexplainable who I have become. And not because of my own merit, not because of my own gifting and talent, but because of the hand of God that has made things in my life completely unexplainable. See, that's what happens when we come together. You see, there are things that we as a church, as a tribe, as a people here, Mosaic, that God has done in and through us that make literal no sense. We are in the middle of a campaign right now called Here to Stay. We're trying to raise $20 million. We started with, with 20 million minus 20 million. Zero. We had, we had no promise. And, and we've been in the middle of watching God just provide and God show up. And, and it's unexplainable. And I am convinced that whatever is going to happen next, it is going to be unexplainable to people. We've already seen God move because God's just looking for a group of people that are crazy enough to put him to the tests. That are crazy enough to, to orient their life around the unexplainable, to come together and realize that we don't have to hide who we used to be because when when you hide your healing in the shadows people can't see your healing in the lights and this is the tribe this is the human connection that we all desperately need so we we know how to do isolation really well but I think it's time that we figure out how to Choose to do community really well. Because this is who we are. This is humanity. See, when I was sitting on the curb of that Uber pool station and my phone's dead, I desperately just wanted to get to my hotel and I wanted to hop on a plane and come back home. And I can't tell you how lonely I felt how helpless I felt. No matter what I tried to do, no matter how many people I tried to talk to and convince to help me out, every Uber that left was another reminder that isolation is an easy story. I felt so alone. And the way they have it set up is Uber can only enter that station for three hours up to after the game. No taxi cabs, no other like modes of transportation are, are able to come in there. Uber has monopoly over this corner for three hours. So I had to sit on this curve for three hours till finally this, this cab pulled around the corner. And it pulled around the corner and, and I saw it and I, I can't explain to you the level of joy that I experienced when that that sign said, in service, and then the light popped on, bing. I was like, oh, just take me home. See, what, what God did 2,000 years ago is he knew that there would be moments like right now when we would not know how to get back home. See, see, Jesus knew that there'd be moments when we would not know how to take that next step and, and we would be feeling so isolated and so forgotten and so out of the equation that he would say, don't worry, this is where 
I do what I do, and I'm letting you know that I'll always come for you. See, the story of Jesus is the story of God turning on that light that says, in service, are you ready to come back home? And I know that there's some of you here today that you've been having a conversation with God and you've been having a, a conversation about your future and it's, and it's filled with fear and uncertainty and doubts and, and, and you feel like you're alone and you feel like there's not a place that you belong to. And, and what Jesus is trying to tell you is that the reason that he wants to connect to you and so that he can bring you back home. And, and the place called home is this place called the church. And the reason that he wants you to come back is because he knows that there's people that are waiting for you. But that first conversation that you need to have, the first human connection that you need to have is you've got to open up your world. And you've got to allow the God of the universe to connect and have communion with your soul. If you could all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and, and you're ready to have a connection with the God who loves you, if you're ready to give him all of your, your fears and all of your doubts and all your burdens, if you're ready for him to take mastery over your life, you've been trying to do it on your own for far too long, you've been trying to figure things out, but finally, for the first time, you're ready to just let go. And you're ready to just let his love consume you from the inside out. If that's you, if you're here in this room, if you're watching online, then I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. I just want you to tell him these words. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Jesus, I give you my life. And it's that moment when you begin a conversation with God that's going to last an entire lifetime. Where you give him all of your past and all of your, your shame and all your guilt. And, and in exchange, he gives you his life full of freedom and full of hope. If you're done being disconnected and you're ready to connect to God, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. All right, if you're here and you prayed that prayer, what I wanted you to do right now, as quickly as you can, I want you to raise your hand because I'm going to pray over you right now. Just raise your hand if you prayed that. Beautiful. I see you. Yep. Keep it held high. Amazing. Come on. I see you. Yes. Anyone else right now? Jesus, I give you my life. It's, it's your opportunity. Step into the new. Step into the new. Beautiful. One more moment. Anyone else? I know there's somebody. Yes, I see you. Come on. Beautiful. Father, I pray for every hand that's held high up in this room right now. I thank you, Jesus, that, that you're going to do whatever it takes every single day of our lives to connect to us at a core level. And I pray right now, Jesus, that you would fill every single person with your hope, with your peace, with your grace, with your mercy. God, I pray that they would know that, that they do not have to walk out of here with no other conversation than they are loved. And I pray that they would make a, de a 
declaration right now in this moment that they're going to live different, that they're going to pursue you with all that they have, that they're going to choose to live a life that is not consumed by their own need, but they live a life where they give their life away for the sake of others. We thank you, Jesus, for the newness that was found today. And I pray just that you would give them one word right now, Jesus. Whatever word they need to hear from you, I pray that you would speak it into their soul and they would live it for the rest of their life. We love you so much, God. We thank you. And we ask this in your name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.